It's a great privilege to be here on this Easter morning. If you have your Bible, go ahead and grab those. And today we'll be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're, we're taking a three-week break from the Gospel of John. We're working our way through the Gospel of John for probably close to a year now. But we're kind of taking a three-week break. And really what we are unpacking for the next three weeks is, is the spiritual side of things, of who we are in Christ, of how our identity in Christ Jesus, now through the blood of Christ, how that shapes and changes our life now in the 21st century. And usually on Sunday morning, I have some notes that I put out on the side tables as you walk in. But this morning, I wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted you just, instead of worrying about the next blank to fill out, I wanted you just to receive what I'm communicating or really pick up what I'm laying down, so to speak. So today we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we will see how the gospel changes our life. Not only does it save me, but it also changes me. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, We recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though from God we're making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might have the righteousness of God in Him. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for these words and how the Gospel not only saves us, but how the Gospel changes us here and now. And Lord, I pray that Your Word would not come on deaf ears, but Lord, that we would see the truth of Your Word and the Holy Spirit working inside of our lives to change us and to allow us to see our new identity a new way we are. Lord, I pray that we would uh, capture that thought. Lord, I pray for this morning that you would be glorified and you would be honored. And I thank you for all of the people that have made this service possible, from all the volunteers to the staff. I thank you for each one of them. And I pray that you would be glorified. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we answer the question, how does the resurrection change my life? How does the resurrection change my life? Today we start a new series, and for the next three weeks, really what I want to be is your spiritual optometrist, your spiritual eye doctor. If you've ever been to the eye doctor, then you probably know that it is a bit of a weird experience. It really is. I mean, think about the eye doctor. Okay, you sit in this kind of quiet, stale waiting room, and then where do they take you after you walk past the waiting room? You go to a dark, creepy room alone, 
right? And it's kind of uh, just strange in there. And then you have this male or female about five inches from your face that probably has bad breath. That's how I remember it at least. And then he has all these weird kind of contraptions that he puts on your face, right? But what's, what's he doing? What is all that for? He's trying to prescribe you the one thing, the exact thing that you need to see the world correctly. That is the next three weeks. For the next three weeks, I'm your spiritual optometrist. And the eyeglasses that I plan to give you are the lens of your identity in Christ. Only when you can answer the question, who am I in Christ, can you truly see yourself and the world correctly. But today's message is one that I never heard. Uh, Today's message is one that I failed to remember growing up. Typically on Easter, the sermon is typically on the veracity of the resurrection. How do we know it to be true, in other words? Or on the story of Easter. But today I want to answer how that event, how Easter morning shapes my life today in America, 2,000 years later. Because in churches, we often hear how the gospel saves me, but not how the gospel changes me. As most of you know, I grew up in a Christian home, I went to a Christian school, and I went to church here at Calvary Bible Church. And growing up in all of those settings, and all the Christians all around me, I heard how the gospel saves me, but not how the gospel changes me. And I went to Westminster Christian Academy. Did anybody else go there in the room? All right, I'm the only one? All right, okay then. There you go. All right, so I'm the only one that went to Westminster. Go Wildcats. I can say that because I'm the only one in the room that affirms that. Okay, so I grew, I grew up at Westminster Christian Academy. I had Bible class every day. You know, I learned cheesy songs, how to remember the books of the Bible. And I remember hearing about the gospel, but not how the gospel changes my life today. I remember growing up here at Calvary Bible Church. Calvary, for better or for worse, raised their own pastor. And I uh, empathize with those that fall asleep on Sunday morning because I used to sit right over there on Sunday morning and I used to bob my head back and forth to the disdain of all preachers up on stage. I was raised by Christians, I went to school with Christians, and I went to church with Christians, but in the midst of the ocean of Christians that were all around me, I heard how the gospel saves me, but not how the gospel changes me. So that's the question. How does the gospel change me today? Well, first, we would know that it changes my destiny, right? That we pass from death into life. That when we trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our destiny has been changed. No longer do we go to hell, but go to heaven. But the gospel is far more than fire insurance. The gospel also changes my ability. That now I can have a relationship with the Lord without Barriers that now I can enter into the throne throne room of grace, that I can walk by the Spirit, that I can understand the Scripture. The gospel changes my destiny; it changes my ability, but it also changes my identity of who I truly am. And who are we truly? If you have your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And today we will unpack verses 16 through 21. And we will see who we are 
now that because of the blood of Christ, because he was buried, because he was raised again, because he rose again, who am I now because of what Christ has done? But when we come into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I realize that I have not preached on this recently, so we must kind of set up the context of our passage. We must understand kind of what we're getting into when we walk into 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, it's difficult to understand the game of basketball without understanding the rules. The context is the rules or the playing field of the passage. Our passage is found in 2 Corinthians. Now, 2 Corinthians, I believe, is the fourth letter written to the church in Corinth. In the city of Corinth, the the letter that this city is written to is a a bit of a blue-collar town, so to speak. Due to its geographic location, it was a major hub for shipping and for trade. It was, the city of Corinth was located in modern day Greece on the Isthmus of Corinth. But the reputation of the city of Corinth preceded itself. Because when this letter was written, the Roman Empire was in its heyday, was at its peak. But throughout the Roman Empire, people heard of the city of Corinth. It had a reputation. The city, the the letter that this book was written to, the, the city had a reputation for being wild and immoral. The immorality of the people of Corinth was fostered by their worship of the goddess of called Aphrodite, which was the goddess of love. So when we come into 2 Corinthians, who are they? Who is Paul talking to? These are probably people that in the past struggled with sexual immorality. By today's standards, they are sinners. right? These are people that we would probably say, what are they doing in church? When Paul writes this, he knows perfectly well the sins and mistakes that they have made. He's writing to this broken and immoral church. And notice what Paul says to them. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you have a pen or a highlighter, if we even have those anymore, or using your Kindle, I would say, highlight those five words. He is a new creation. For the old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. The gospel changes me. It transforms my inner world. What does Paul say here in verse 17? That if you are in Christ, what does that mean? That if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have trusted Him as your Lord and Savior, if you believe that He has come and He has died and He has rose again and He has saved you from your sin, if that is you today, then who are you? You are a new creation. You are something different. That you have been transformed. Who is Paul talking to? He's talking to people in Corinth. These are people that have made grave mistakes. But still the blood of Christ is powerful enough to change and to shape their souls and their lives. If God can redeem them, then God can redeem you. If God can make them new, then God can make you new. The blood of Christ is sufficient to save you and to change you. That the moment you trusted in Jesus Christ, at that moment you were recreated. You were a new creation. But this word new is the Greek word kainos here in verse 17. And it does mean new, which some of you are saying is not very helpful. Okay, 
But this word new kainos is not like uh, taking hand sanitizer and putting it on your hands. Where it's the same thing that happens. It's just been kind of washed off and cleaned. But it means to actually look the same but be brand new. As in new wine and old wineskins. New and old wineskins. Uh, new patches and old patches. They look the same but they are completely and totally new. That at the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, you may look the same on the outside, but you have been changed on the inside. You may look the same, but you are not the same. Allow me to demonstrate with you this morning. These are eggs. That on the outside you look the exact same as you did before, but you, when you trust in Jesus Christ, you are not the same. You are a new creation That this is you after Christ, and this is you before you came to Christ. That before you came to Christ, you were empty. That you were hollow. That you had nothing to satisfy your spiritual thirst. That you had no hope in this world. But after you believe in Jesus Christ, you are made new. You are transformed. That you look the same on the outside, but truly on the inside, it is completely and totally different. And we have this idea in our culture that something can't be true unless we feel it. That I have to not just know the truth, but I have to feel the truth. But that's not the truth at all. Often truth is something that is not super emotional. Think about math. How many, how many of you guys get emotional about math? Don't, okay, sorry, don't tell me, okay. Uh, So, I am living with engineers in the room. Okay, moving on. Okay. Alright. But we have this false sense of, of, identity, that that in order for something to be true, we have to feel it. But that's not at all. That when you trust in Jesus Christ, you may look the same on the outside as you did before, but you have been completely revolutionized on the inside. You have been made new. And notice what it says. It says that all things have passed away. The word passed away in verse 17 is the Greek word perekomai, and it means to disappear. And is the aorist tense of the Greek verb there. That means to be gone. It is a completed event in the past that at the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, all of the old things, old sin, old mistakes, old identity have disappeared. They have been made new. But notice, perhaps Paul here, notice how general that phrase is, as old things have passed away. That is very general. We would expect Paul, being the super Bible uh, scholar he is, to kind of give us a big long list. But here Paul just says that old things have passed away. Perhaps Paul is being purposefully vague. Perhaps he wants us to put all old things underneath that umbrella. Old views of yourself, old sin, old shame, old mistakes, old things that happened before you came to Christ, old things that happened after you came to Christ. Former things are gone. The sins of yesterday were paid for 2,000 years ago. The sins of today were paid for 2,000 years ago. And the sins of tomorrow were paid for 2,000 years ago. And the receipt of your payment that your soul is paid in full is the empty grave. Let us not live in our mistakes of old. Your sin has been paid in full. You are now, because of the blood of Christ, if you are a believer in Him, you are declared, you are justified, meaning you are declared innocent before God, despite your mistakes and despite your sin. 
My point today, number one, is who am I in Christ? Number one is I am a new creation. I am a new thing. A new being. I may look the same as I did before, but but when you believe in Jesus Christ, you are transformed on the inside. You are a new creation. The question I have is, will you see yourself as you were or as you are? You are a new creation. But how did this happen? What happened? Notice verse 18 and 19. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Watch this next phrase. Not counting their trespasses against us, against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 17, I am a new creation. How was that made possible? Verses 18 through 19, because of Christ, because of God, because of what he did on the cross. Now notice verse 18, it says, now in all these things are from God. In other words, what? We can't take credit for any of it. Much like I can't take credit for better eyesight after the optometrist gives me new glasses, so we cannot take credit at all for what Christ has done, that we are a new creation. It is all by God. He paid for it. He has given us as a gift of His love that we open only by faith. Because of Christ, because of the resurrection, He now reconciles us to God, means bringing us back to Him, joining us back together. We are brought back into a relationship with the Lord that because of Christ, I am a new creation. The gospel saves me, but also changes me. It changes my internal world, but it also changes the way I see the world. Let me say that again. The gospel changes my interior world, that I'm a new creation, but it also changes how I see the world. Notice with me, verse 16, we see others very differently. Verse 16, therefore, from now on, we recognize, that we recognize as oida means to know. We know or recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have been known, we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Because of Christ, I am a new creation, so I should see others. How? Not according to the flesh. What does that mean? According to the way they look on the outside. We're human beings. Amen? Unless you're, unless we're robots, we haven't quite gotten there with science, okay? Maybe one day, okay? But we are human beings. What is our natural tendency as human beings? We judge people's interior worth by their exterior appearances, correct? We look at somebody and say, oh, they must be wealthy, or they must be important, or they must be, oh, okay, I don't want to talk to them. That's just the way we are. We, we're bent in that way because we are sinful human beings. But what does Paul say here? But that now, because of Christ, we should no longer recognize anyone according to the flesh. That if God does not determine our interior worth by our exterior appearance, then we should not either. If God does not hold my sin against me, then we should not hold other sins against them. Because we are redeemed, because our soul is purchased in full, because of our forgiveness, because of the proof of purchase was in the resurrection, no longer should we see my sin and the sin of others, but we should see no one according to the flesh. The gospel changes my interior world, and it changes how I see the world. It changes how I see others, that I should not look at people's exterior appearance to determine their interior worth. 
but it changes me one more way. It changes how I view the world and my mission in it. Notice verse 20 with me. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that result we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let me just reread those for just a second. Just listen to the words. Therefore, because we have been changed, because we see no longer according to the flesh, because of what Christ has done, therefore, bringing it to conclusion, this is what we are now to do. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Because we are saved, because we are a new creation, we are not just God's trophy sitting in his trophy case, but that we are given a new purpose. That God did not just save us and buy our soul just to stash us away in some prize room in the hall of fame of his love and grace. But now, despite our mistakes, despite all of the things that we do wrong, God has given to us as human beings something to do. And what is it? It says that we are to be his ambassadors. Now, what does that mean? Number one, it means to be his representative. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. But it's more than just a representative, an ambassador. If you think about what an ambassador is in this culture, it's pretty similar to the way it was in that culture. But if you're a representative, if you're an ambassador, you first off represent something greater than yourself. Something different than just your own personal being. If we are God's ambassadors, if we are meant to be lights in this world, then we stand for something that is bigger than ourselves. That we are meant to do something greater than we could ever achieve on our own. We are his ambassadors. We are his representatives. Number two, as his ambassadors, we live in hostile territory. I mean, think about it. I mean, think about all of the ambassadors, even today's culture. Where do they typically live? An ambassador from U.S. to China. So, for example, where does the ambassador live? Not typically in Huntsville, Alabama. Okay, not typically in a fancy hotel in Washington, D.C. Typically, where do they live? They live in hostile territory. They live in a foreign nation. If we are ambassadors for Christ, we are his representatives in this dark world. But we also live in hostile territory. We are lights in the darkness of the world. What does it say in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, that we live as aliens in this world? Second, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from fleshly lusts. That the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, you become his representative, but you're also living in hostile territory. You're living in the darkness of the world, meant to represent him and all he is. And we think about the word church itself. The Greek word for church is the Greek word ekklesia. It means the called out ones. 
That even if we don't feel different, even if we don't think we are, that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a part of the church itself, and you are called out of this world. We live in the world, but we are very, very different, and we should not appear to be like them, but we should be lights to the darkness. As God's ambassadors, number one, we are his representative. Number two, we live in hostile territory. And number three, we have one purpose. We have a purpose. What is that? What does an ambassador do from America to China? They reconcile the two sides. They bring the two together. That as God's ambassadors to this world, that we are to seek out the sinners that do not know Jesus Christ, and we are to bring them to God himself. We are to reconcile them to God. Bring them together. Make them part We are aliens in a foreign land, and our purpose is to reconcile people to God. Because the veil was torn, because we now have access to the throne of grace, because we were bought with a price, we are to reconcile those who do not know Jesus Christ to himself by presenting the gospel with our love, life, and words. But how was God able to do this? We, saw, we see in verse 18 and 19 that we are reconciled because of God's action. But how was God able to do this? The, the greatest injustice that has ever existed in history is proposed in verse 21. Notice it with me. He made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the greatest injustice in history. That God the Father took his perfect and only son, Jesus Christ, the one that was the spotless, blameless lamb. And he puts upon him the sins of the world and Jesus dies on the cross and is buried. And to show his victory over all, he is raised from the dead. And the reason we now are his ambassadors, the reason now we can be reconciled to God, and the reason now that our world is completely and totally transformed, although we may appear on the outside to be different, the reason is, is because of verse 21, that God took a man that knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we, results, might become the righteousness of God in him. And the display of God's love, what does it say in Romans 5.8? For God demonstrated his own love for us, and now while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That this is only possible, your transformation on the inside is only possible through the blood of Christ, that he became sin for us to pay our sin in full. You know, if you've been, if you've been in church for any length of time, I know that's nothing new. And if you've been to Easter service, if that's the only time you come to church once a year, then you probably have heard that before. But it shouldn't become old news. I say it should become good news. It should be something that completely transforms our lives every day. That God demonstrated his love for us and that while I was a sinner, an alien, hostile towards God, he died for me. I'm going to reread. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 with these lens in mind. And I want you to just listen to the words as I will read. Verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, 
should no longer live for themselves, but for Him as His ambassadors, but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him this no longer. Therefore, listen, Just I, I know we've talked about this for the last 30 minutes. I just want you to receive the truth of the Word of God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. The old things are gone. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who brought us back together to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, bringing those living in darkness back to Him, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, bring it all together. We are God's ambassadors. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Who am I in Christ? I am made new. Because of Christ, I am a new creation, so I should see others and my mission as new. Let me say that again. That is my point here today. That because of Christ, you are a new creation. So then we should see others, other people not according to the flesh. We should see others and our mission as new. But before we go, I would just like to kind of put this passage into kind of perspective, kind of application for us as we walk out of this room and for Easter How does this passage, something that happened 2,000 years ago, how does it change today? Number one, I'm going to encourage you to realize the resurrection. It's not just something that happened then, but it's something that changes now. And I pray that we know that, that when we eat dinner, hopefully with our family later today, that we not just think about the victory that we had 2,000 years ago, but that we would see how it changes our lives today. That we not just think that it's something stale, but we would realize the resurrection and how it transforms our life and our identity today. Number two, I'm going to encourage you this week and on to see yourself as you are. To see yourself as you are. People typically have a too high view of themselves or too low view of themselves. Or they are blinded by the lens of shame and sin and mistakes. Or they're blinded by their own pride. But we should see ourselves as who we are. We are new creations valued by God. Number three, we should see others as they are. We should not look at somebody's exterior appearance to determine their interior worth. If God did that, then we're all done, right? We're all done, okay? But God saw us, and he valued us enough to change us on the inside. So should we. We should see people as they are and not as they appear, as valued by God. And then number four, see your mission. You are God's representative. You are living as an alien in this world. You are meant to reconcile sinners to himself. 
And we do that through our love, our life, and our deeds and our words. See yourself as you are. Do not be blinded by the, what you, the mistakes of yesterday or the opinions and culture of today. But see yourself as you are. And number one, you are a new creation. Number two, see others as they are, not according to the flesh. And see your role as it is. That you are transformed, changed forever. That Jesus exited heaven, took on the form of flesh, lived a perfect life. He died on a cross to pay for my sin And proving that my sin was paid in full, he resurrected from the dead. And then he gives to me not just the idea, not just the promise of eternal life, but earthly abundant life. And now I am transformed from the inside out. See yourself as you are in Christ. That you are a new creation. And value others as God sees them as well. If you do not know Jesus Christ... If this is foreign to you, if you have never believed in Jesus Christ, if you have never surrendered your life to him, then believe in Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. I would imagine many of us here this morning would know the gospel, that we are sinners and that Christ died on the cross and he rose again to save us from our sin, and that if we believe in him, we shall be saved. But the greatest One of the greatest tools of the enemy to make sure that people stay disconnected from God is to convince people that they believe the truth because they know the truth. That they believe the truth because they know the truth. You can answer all of the questions on the final exam of how to become a Christian, but if you've never believed and surrendered your life to Christ, then you probably aren't a Christian. You've never been transformed. You've never been created new. If you've never surrendered to Jesus Christ, then I would encourage you to do so. I can think of no better day to do that but then today. Believe in Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Bow with me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, what a magnificent thought that the gospel does not just pass me in from death into life, but also changes who I am from the inside out, that now I am a new creation. Lord, I pray that we would take that lens and that we would see the world correctly as you see it. Lord, I just pray that we would be different, that we would stand out as your ambassadors, that people would look at our lives and say they represent something greater than themselves, that they look at our love, life, and words, and they see those things, and they say, I want what they have. And Lord, I pray that we would be different, that we would walk out of this room understanding who we are in Christ, and that we are something new, that we are bought, paid in full, and we are transformed, not empty any longer. Lord, thank you for today. I thank you for those that are tuning in online that are unable to be here in person. I pray a special blessing for them. I pray you continue to protect them where they are. And thank you for Calvary Bible Church. I thank you for this church and its mission and its dedication to your word and its love for people. And I pray that our love for you would become uh, known in the community and far beyond. Thank you for this morning. I thank you for your grace and your gospel. And I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.